Newstalk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Evershed Sutherland, Ireland's largest and most established global law firm, with full service teams for your legal and tax solutions. I'm delighted to welcome to the Executive Chair, Peter Lantry. He's the Managing Director of Equinix Ireland. Peter, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Thanks. Now, Peter, I want to talk to you, bring you back a few years. Um, you had quite an international upbringing, uh, which started in Tala, um, but you worked, or your your, your dad worked uh, in many countries, which meant you had a, a colourful childhood in terms of the countries that you lived in. Yeah, for sure. When <clears> I was uh, born in Ireland, I wouldn't have had any idea that uh, I would be travelling around the world. But my mother, when she got married to my father, said, just make sure you take me away somewhere once every year during our marriage. So he's he's kept that promise. And we, we lived in uh, Holland, uh, Paris, London, Colombia and Bogota, back to the Netherlands and, and Holland and home back to Ireland again. So we've been all over the world. Yeah. Now you were, at, you were at school then, boarding school in Castleknock, later Blackrock, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, because, uh, and, and as I say, I was in Castleknock myself. But it was interesting for somebody who had such... Uh, I suppose, international upbringing, you had to kind of persuade the lads in Castleknock that you were an Irish guy. Not too though, easy. Even though you had an American accent. <laughs> Not too easy. Yeah. I was like, I swear to God, I'm Irish. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it didn't work at all. No, they were just laughing away. But over time, they got used to me, you know. Yeah. So you... Just, just, it's, I'm curious about. Uh, there isn't too many people who go from Castleknock to Black Rock. Uh, there's always a story there. Tell us yours. Yeah, so I was uh, when I was in Castleknock. I lasted there for five years. It was a great school, um, but I was really focused on trying to get into medicine. I wanted to get into medicine. I wanted to get the points for it, and I was convinced that you know honors maths and A1 and honors maths would get me there. And uh, so I said, I, I'm not good enough. I'm not ready enough yet. So I'll repeat fifth year. I went back to Black Rock. I did fifth year. So I did a seven year leaving cert. That's Probably down to the fact that I had, you know, five different primary schools and then two secondary schools. So it was a bit of a mixed up. Uh, I still I missed I missed medicine by five points, though, so I, I never got into it. But it was probably, well, it was probably, probably better off. It was probably a good thing when we look yeah. at your career because it really has been stellar. Uh, you started off as we as many of us did work at nights in a petrol station. Your first, uh, I suppose, post college job after uh, you went to UCD, studied engineering. Uh, you did a, an MBA subsequently as well in in UCD, but your first job was in Arab, where you spent a lot of time as a structural engineer down in the IFSC. That's when you go down there today and look around. Uh, you must be you must look back at those days with some pride. Yeah, it was really really nice piece of work there. When you're looking at it, you're you're sitting down on a piece of paper and you're designing a building that's going to be there for you know. 50 to 100 years is pretty exciting work. So I enjoy that as a structural design engineer. But I also realized that after a while, it would get a bit repetitive. So I thought, no, I want to try something new. So I went down the IT route, actually. So Okay. Yeah. And that IT route uh, brought you to IBM. You ended up in AirGrid. Am I right that you had two stints there? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah so yeah. tell us about the first one yeah. for, for, for four years. Yes, in the first stint, I was working on what's called the All-Ireland Electricity Market, mainly. A really exciting piece of work where you worked with Northern Ireland and Ireland to put together a single electricity market. It was the first of its kind, actually, in the world. And uh, we, we've been able to benefit from that in this country ever since. It's been a really, really interesting time. And designing market solutions and designing IT systems and supports around that and making sure the physical footprint of all the generation around the country matched and worked well with that system was pretty exciting work. Can you explain to us, Peter, about the grid and how it actually works? Because I think, you know, while 
you hear a lot of talk about it, and you talk there about, you know, a shared grid with Ireland and England, Northern Ireland. It's a hugely complex piece of technology and infrastructure, but can you just give us an oversight of it as somebody who's been so close to it over the years? Yeah, absolutely. So it is a very complicated system. Uh, What you have is supply and demand. And this is a really interesting thing that's happening now in Ireland. Supply and demand is where you have to balance it on a second by second (coughs) basis. So the people in the operations room in Airgrid and in Northern Ireland and the system operator in Northern Ireland, they're doing some amazing work where they're balancing the grid every second of every day, all the time. And they have to make sure the right type of generation is in the system, so a lot of renewables. And Ireland, by the way, is a front runner in the world in installing and integrating renewable wind. We're the best in the world at this. And it's down to the work that Airgrid has done over over decades with the regulator as well in Ireland and the government's passion for bringing in renewables. That's been a really spectacular win for us. And what do you say then when people say that we're potentially you know, the Saudi Arabia when it comes to offshore wind energy. But we we haven't really seemed to get our act together there relative to the potential. Does that frustrate you yes, as a grid man? For sure it does. I mean, what, what Ireland has seen is that there is a huge opportunity. We haven't always had enough money, enough investment capability in this country to be able to really ramp that up fast. And maybe the decision making has been slow. But we do have a huge potential here in this country. And my biggest fear is that we produce all this renewable power, we bring it onto the grid, and then we don't have anyone to use it on the grid because we're also missing out in that space. We're not thinking about the demand and the supply. You need to have the demand for the power to make sure the supply is being developed in a way that makes sense economically for Ireland. Ireland could easily go out of business as a country if we do all of this renewable without bringing in the demand. So that's another big part of the puzzle that's missing. But again, I know this may sound like a simplistic question, but are we not connected to England and connect it to Europe so that if we have extra electricity that we just sell it there. We are, but we're only connected to to the UK by 500 megawatts at the moment, which sounds like a lot. And our whole grid, we'd use about 6,000 megawatts on a, on, a, on, a, on a day where we're using a lot of electricity. But the, the ambition for Ireland by 2030 is to have 22,000 megawatts worth of renewable power being generated on a windy, sunny day. So that's that's a lot of power. And you're going to ha- also have another 3,000 gigawatts of, of, you know, gas power generation to back that up and keep it stable. You can't export all of that. It just won't happen. We have probably going to have 1,700 uh, megawatts worth of interconnection. We have 700 going to France, the Celtic Interconnect. I was in charge of making sure that project went ahead in, in Airgrid when I was there. We also have the East-West Interconnector between Ireland and Wales. That's up and running for years, since 2011. That gives you 500 megawatts. There's another one now called Greenlink, which is being developed, will be finished in the next year or so. That's going to connect uh, Ireland from uh, Wexford over to the UK as well. Right. All of that together only gets you 1,700 <clears throat> megawatts, which is great, but it's nowhere near enough. Okay, so, well, and again, in layman's language, what you're saying is we could end up with all this offshore wind energy, but the pipes to send it across to Europe are going to be too narrow. They're just not, exactly, they're okay. just not there. And we're already, by the way, we're already dumping 15% every month of all the renewable power that we produce. Gets wasted. Yeah. And that's published in Fairness Airgrid. That's published transparently on the website. You can see that. So it is 15% every month. It's not not good. Okay. Let's go back to you for a second because we got, I knew I'd get sucked down the rabbit hole of the (laughs) grid. But thank you for answering that. Uh, So uh, back to Airgrid. Uh, Then uh, where you were the operations manager, you were 11 years there the second time round. Then to Hitachi Energy, 
Um, this is uh, uh, the global data center lead, managing director there. Did that become, did you go from there uh, to Equinix? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so did. tell us a little bit about that, the, the, the latter part of your career. Absolutely. Yeah. The last few years have been a real roller coaster for me. I, I was brought into Itachi Energy. It used to be ABB at the time. I was Itachi Energy then while I was there. And I was asked to be the managing director for Ireland. And I said, no problem. That's that's great. And then within three months, I said, can you also look after the global data center segment for us? Like, there's 700 million a year for them. I was like, okay, I'll do that. So that became a really interesting piece of work. And I had a team around the world helping to develop solutions, sustainability solutions for connecting to the electricity grid, believe it or not, for all of the data centers around the world. So I got to know them all. And then I got a knock on the shoulder from Equinix saying, you know what, we, we could do with a managing director for Ireland. Um, and I couldn't say no to that. It's such an amazing company. So I said, yeah, I'm going to go in and, and work with Equinix and help them to deliver the sustainability story that they're looking at. And just to remind our uh, listeners as to who Equinix are, they started out as Data Electronics. They were then taken over by the Telecity Group, if I'm right. Now they're Equinix. But they've been in Ireland 20 plus years. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's 25 years now uh, since the data electronics uh, started in this country. And it was a really clever, ambitious thing that Ireland did. They recognised in here in Ireland that we could be a digital hub, we could be an economy that's based on digital success stories. And they created a situation, the IDA was pivotal here as well, and the government, they, they used the Atlantic Cable, there's Atlantic Cable Connector, and they, Ireland said, we're going we're gonna to make sure we get the best possible connectivity, and we're going to make sure it's happening in Dublin. <coughs> and that's been, called, it's called the T50 link now. But there's loads of subsea cables that now come into Ireland and we've been at this for 25 years. And what we do is we, we connect all the different companies that have data together, all the different intricate network service providers, all your Netflixes, uh, Zoom when you're using it, all of that goes through Equinix. Right. And, and I know that data centres are hugely important around hospital diagnosis, diagnosis, even things like contractless payments. Airports are hugely dependent on them. But they get a bad rap because of the amount of energy they actually consume relative to our overall energy. You're obviously having to defend your position around that. Just talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. If you think about it, data and everything that everyone's doing to innovate around data is growing constantly. It grows at about 30-35% a year globally and there's no difference in Ireland. We, we That amount of data is growing so fast because there's so much clever innovations that help you to have a better life. Uh, whenever you pick up your phone, I, when I was using my phone there yesterday, I paid for my membership, my, my son's membership to St. Sylvester's GAA Club in Malahide <coughs> and I, I, I was able to do it connect with my bank, connect with the GAA club, do it all, verify it within a couple of seconds, and that was done. And it was just all online, on my phone, and that's all going through a data center. It was amazing. And I just think everybody's doing this all the time on their phones. They're living in a digital world. And is there, in your view, Peter, is there enough room for data centers as we have them and without jeopardizing our own um, electricity needs? Absolutely there is, yeah. So if you think about it, Data centers traditionally have just taken power from the grid and used it for what they needed to use it for. And that's all well and good when there's plenty of capacity on the grid. Now what's happened is there's a lot of grids. Ireland's not unique here, but we're probably the canary in the coal mine, right? So we're, we're now seeing a situation where the grid is becoming constrained in Dublin because there's a lot of data centers because we're really good at it. We're successful in this country and we have a huge economy around it now. But what we have to do is look at data centers and ask them to become flexible. So one of the things we're doing in Equinix is making sure that we're offering flexibility back to the grid. So we're saying, look, if you need us to, we will come off the grid 
when you're under pressure. We'll be fully flexible and we'll use gas as a backup or we'll use a renewable, fully renewable power when it's available. Any fuel source, hydrogen is really interesting when that's coming. So we'll use that. We'll use biomethane as a backup. And this is all possible, yeah? Oh, yeah, sure. We're doing yeah. it already. We, we, yeah. have, we have opened a site there in Blanchestown uh, just last year, the end of last year. It's called DB6. That's for a single customer, actually. So it's a bit of an unusual one. We, do, we, we typically do a lot of retail sites and they have hundreds of customers in them. But there's what Xscale, which is a large footprint, similar to what Ireland's been really successful at. They would have a single customer in them. And there's a lot of data centers that do that. And we have one of those sites. And that site is fully flexible. So it's Airgrid gave us a fully flexible contract. So in other words, they could take us off the grid whenever they want to. And within five minutes, we're gone off the grid, which means the grid has flexibility, which means the grid can bring in more renewables. Now, if you didn't have that, the grid actually wouldn't be able to bring in more renewables because it doesn't allow for flexibility to go up and down. The wind doesn't always blow, the sun doesn't always shine. You've got to be able to match that with the demand on the grid. And that's where it's going to go. All data centers are going to start looking at how they can become more and more flexible on the grid. And that's what we're offering with an Equinix. We're ready to do that. And all we need is for the government and the regulators to say, oh, good, thank you, off you go then. <clears throat> and let the grid operators design it and, sl- and solve it that way. Finally, as a technical man with, with vast experience as you have, does the regulation, the bureaucracy, the planning, does it frustrate you? I understand it because I've been through it for years. Or two, two decades in AirGrid, air, air you deal with a lot of the bureaucracy and it is slow. But Ireland needs to speed up. We need to get much, much faster at dealing with the problems. We need to get our planning system right. We need to get our regulation rules in place quickly. And that'll allow us to move much faster as a country, more agile, something we've always been good at. We must do more of that. We must get moving fast, get out of our own way, and we can be hugely successful as a country. Okay, really interesting stuff. Finally, I want to ask you about <coughs> something non-business. Uh, you're a GA coach out there in, Sin- in Sylvester's in Malahide, uh, and a GA coach who never played GA. I love it. Uh, you're also a member of the Malahide Gin Society, <laughs> and uh, you're a keen cook. Is that right? Yeah, I'll, yeah? I'll, these are true things. Yeah, yeah. The, G- the GA one is an interesting story because I turned up with my uh, my kids uh, on day one. Uh, you know. So in junior infants, <clears throat> and I, I brought them in to the to the infant, and I was standing there with the with the rugby jersey on. It was actually a Leinster rugby jersey on, and I stepped in to try and volunteer to help. And there's a guy in in Malahai, a lovely fellow, Anthony Kyo, and he's involved in the club. And he came over to me with a coat and a bag. He says, "Here." put this on you. And it was a St. Sylvester's jacket and they said, now you can never leave. You're going to be here forever. So uh, he covered yeah, over the rugby jersey. I love that rugby. Speaking of rugby, are you off to the match today? Yeah, yeah. And my wife and I are heading into the match. It'll be brilliant. I'm looking forward to it. I think Ireland's doing really well at the moment. So I'm looking forward to seeing us uh, keep going towards another grand slam. Okay, well, you and me both. Peter Lantry, Managing Director of Equinix. Thanks very much for joining us and letting us into your world. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.